you to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 24. I want to build on what Brother James was teaching because it was because it's so vital for today. And after he taught it, I went home and I, I, I sought the Lord on getting some more revelation on that. And even though today is today is Shemaniah Tzaret, how many of you know what that is? <laughs> no, it's the eighth day. It's the day after the Festival of Tabernacles, and they're now taking down the booths that they had set up for seven days. And they've been in the presence of the Lord now for 21 days, and they're getting ready to go home. So it's a very special day, um, but I'm not going to teach on that. By the way, if you're interested, and I taught about 24 hours worth in front of a TV camera and, and some students years ago over in 110 Thorn Avenue. It's all available for you if you really want to know. Be because I wouldn't even try to teach it again. Most people aren't interested anymore. And I'm not saying that to be rude. I'm saying it's just a different day that we're living in. So anyway, in Matthew chapter 24, we've taught this message a bunch of times too, so I'm not going to teach it today. <laughs> no, no, but in Matthew 24, they came to Jesus and said, when's the temple going to be destroyed? What is the sign of your coming and what is the end of the age? They asked him three questions and he answered two of them in Matthew's gospel, chapter 24, and then he answered the third one over Luke 21. And if you'll read them carefully, you can figure it out for yourself. Okay? That's all you're getting today. No, because I want to zero in on something else. I want to go to verse 12. Matthew 24, yeah. Verse 12 says, because the iniquity shall abound. How many of you know where this is, this is today, right? Iniquity shall abound. And then it says, because the iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold and I've watched it happen over this past, you know, in particular since the pandemic. But, you know, at the start of the pandemic, I just watched it. And why it's so vital today is, um, like in the last days, perilous times shall come. And we're in them right now. The hour that we're living in, it's a perilous time, and you need to be alert, and you need to be aware, and you need to be awake. So, you know, it's like, like James was saying, you know, it, straight is the gate and narrow is the way that leads to eternal life. And then, then Jesus, the, the, the master, the, the king of the church, said, few there be that find it. Look, when the master tells you something, it's, you know, time to pay attention. And then in Matthew six thirty three, he's telling you, seek first your family. Seek first your entertainment. Seek first your vacation time. By the way, vacation time is in Isaiah 26, 12. Or is it 28, 12? With stammering lips and another tongue, I spoke unto these people. He said, this is the refreshing, but you wouldn't do it. Oh, you just need a vacation. No, you need to go pray in the Holy Ghost for an hour or two. You feel better already. No, but it's the truth. What? How do I know it's the truth? Because God said it. Gary didn't think about it. Is it Isaiah 28, 12? Check me out. Okay, thank you. I was wrong once. That's twice this year already. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm on a roll now. 
Anyway, it says, because of the iniquity shall abound, the love of many will wax cold. But they that endure till the end shall be saved. And then in verse 14, he says, this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached into all the world, not on TV, not on the Miracle Channel, not on uh, Daystar. It doesn't say that. It says as a witness. A witness means you're seeing something. Something is being demonstrated in front of you. He said, this gospel will be preached into all the world as a witness unto me, and so shall the end come. And now I would like to take you. Ever since I started using this thing, I became dependent on it. So help me, help me, help me. Matthew 12. Because you want to know. You want to know why? Why are people falling away? Why are people sitting home this morning that used to be in church three, four years ago, and they're okay with it? They're okay with it. If you're sitting home today, you ought not to be okay with it. Why? Because the master, the king of the church, said through the apostle Paul, to not forsake, come on, Hebrews 10, 25, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together, as some do, but even more, how many of you know more is now? as you see the end approaching. Well, I just, you know, I, I've got, I'm busy right now. I got to go picking apples with my kids. Okay, but anyway, over in chapter 12, in verse 43, this is what has happened. When an unclean spirit has gone out of a man, he walks through dry places, seeking rest, but he doesn't find any. So, so now he's going to come up with a counterattack, isn't he? He got kicked out of the house, but now he's coming back. But look, look what happens when he comes back. He said, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to go back to the house where I came out from. And when he came to it, he found it unoccupied. In other words, God came and cleaned up the situation, but then they didn't put it back in. They sat around uh, watching, you know, watching TV and entertaining themselves without, and I'm not saying, please don't get me wrong, I'm not saying anything, any of that is wrong. What I'm saying is, seek first the kingdom and his way of doing things, and all these things will be added unto you. you keeping him first. So, so it's kind of like when I read that, I was thinking about what it's like right now over in Ukraine. Right now they're occupied <laughs> by a foreign government. And did you know that every church is full? I mean full and overflowing and getting people getting born again every day. Why? Because they're occupied. What happens when the occupation is over is what matters. Are you gonna Are you gonna fill yourself up with the Word of God when you don't need to anymore, or are you just gonna slip off to sleep and something worse happens? Something worse happens. Why? Because there's a devil and he hates you. I mean, you think he likes you? He said, "I will return unto my home from whence I came out from," and he finds it empty and unoccupied. I'll go back to the house that I came from. Returning, he found the house vacant, swept, and put into order. 
Then he goes and brings back seven spirits worse than himself. And I know this in particular because when I first got born again, I went to Evangel Temple. Well, no, first off, I went to Peter Younger Crusade, but I ended up in Evangel Temple, and my attitude was, well, here I'm in church now. What are you going to do for me, God? I really thought I was doing some great thing by going to church. And uh, because of my attitude, I lasted about a year. And then I went back where I came from. And the next thing you know, I'm selling drugs out the back door of my business and running the business into the ground. And I was literally seven times worse. One day I was walking along and I, there was a, I had a baby food jar full of hash oil in my pocket and a, a load of bins and bennies on the other, in the other pocket. And I'm thinking, how did I get here? Because I was swept clean, but then I was, I was unoccupied. The space was empty, and so the devil came back and made it worse. And you know people, you can think about people right now when I'm talking about this, you know that's what happened to them, how they were on fire for God. They couldn't wait to get to church, and now they got every excuse in the world. Well, you know, it's this and it's that. Don't like the pastor, don't like the congregation, don't like the praise and worship, don't like the volume. This, that, the other thing, it just goes on and on and on, right? And here we are. Here we are learning this so that we can pray for people, right? Because, because we need to... Um, Luke 4.4, 4, you, 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 you can go there or not go there. But in Luke 4.4, 4, he's, he's quoting uh, Deuteronomy 8 and verse 3. And he says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. Man shall not live by natural bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the Lord. So if I want spiritual food, what is it that I'm going to eat? It's going to be the word of God, right? And not just on a Sunday and then Thursday night looking for my Bible, where did I leave that? <laughs> I know none of you have ever done that, but I'm just saying. Not by bread. Let's go to Proverbs 4.20. My son, my daughter, attend to my words, incline your ear to my sayings. Don't let them depart from before your eyes. Keep them in the middle of your heart, for they are life to those that find them, spiritual life, to those that find them, and health to all of their flesh, to their physical selves as well. Isn't that powerful? And all I have to do is what he says. <laughs> Another translation says, listen carefully, my dear child, to everything that I teach you, and pay attention to all that I have to say. Fill my words, fill your thoughts, fill your thoughts with my words. No, because then you're doing Romans 12 too. You're thinking the way that he wants you to think. You're thinking God's thoughts. James quoted it on, in, uh, on Thursday night, Isaiah 55, 11. His word won't return unto him void. It'll prosper, but because you're speaking out the word, it's like, it's like the Bible lots of times compare, compares the, the word to mist. Because the mist comes down and does what it's supposed to do, and then it returns to the Lord, you see. 
So that's your connection with him. Ask for the Lord for rain, he said in, in uh, Zechariah 10.1. Ask for the Lord for rain in the time of the latter rain. Ask, I said, what if it's the time of the latter rain, what do I have to ask for? He says to a blind guy, what is it that you're following me for? What do you want? He needs your confession. He needs you to tell him and to tell the principalities and powers and the spirits of wickedness and the heavenlies what you really believe. Amen? So he said, I will teach you. Pay attention to everything that I say. Fill your thoughts with my words until they penetrate deep into your spirit. Then, you will, then as you unwrap my words, they will impart true life and radiant health into every core, in the very core of your being. So above all, guard the, the affections of your heart, for they affect all that you are. Pay attention to the welfare of your innermost being, for from it flows the wellspring of your life. Yeah. And I've seen it. I, I know what it's like to, to, uh, to have a... It, it's like he, he said to Joshua in Joshua chapter 1. He said, if you will meditate my word day and night, you will make your way prosperous and you will have success. So that tells me that God was not responsible for Joshua's success. He was in charge of his own. Oh, God, help me, help me. I'm telling you what to do. Meditate my word day and night. Then you, not me, then you, you, he's saying, then you, oh, God, help me. Yeah, I'm telling you right now, if you do his word, it'll help you for every day of your life. Hearken diligently unto the voice of your God. John six sixty three. the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. The fre- he said, the flesh doesn't profit anything, but the words that I speak to you, I don't know how many of you really enjoyed your turkey dinner this last few days. Buddy. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, twice a day. And now I'm looking to see if I can't find another one before Christmas comes. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but, but what I really need... <laughs> What I really need is the word of God. Pay attention to, to the welfare of your most innermost being. From, from there flow the issues or the boundaries of your life. And see, lots of times we'll pray and ask God to do something in our lives, but we already know the answer we want from him. So he, 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 he can't do anything either. It's kind of like, and I've told this story before, I was flying with Doc Barkley on a plane across the United States one night around 2 o'clock in the morning. And the pilot, Brian Senor, he asked me to come up into the cockpit with him. And I'm kind of big for those little tiny spaces. And I was concerned that I might kick something and crash the whole deal, you know. <laughs> you know, And all you can see at that time of the night is all these little lights everywhere. And you're trying to step into this little place. And anyway, I got in there and he said, I want to show, he said there was an explosion in Virginia somewhere. And he kicked it off autopilot and went down to look at, at the damage. And then after he looked, he flipped it back on autopilot and we went back right, right back where we were. And when that happened, I thought about a story that Carlos Simmons, Pastor Carlos Simmons told me. 
about a relative of his that won the lottery. 1992, 93 or something, he won the lottery. I, I don't know how many million bucks. He bought himself a new car, bought his family a new car. Three or four years later or less, he was penniless because his autopilot, because he didn't think right, he went back to where he was. And that's why when God says, Beloved, I pray above all else that you will prosper and be in health, your condition clause is even as your soul prospers. If you want more money, use the money that you have properly. If you don't know how to use it, find somebody to help you. Health issues? Oh, God, please heal me, please heal me, please heal me. Injecting, you know, <laughs> diabetes medicine in your belly and saying, God, please help me, and then snorkeling down every piece of food you can find. See, that sounded very judgmental, didn't it? How about if I say it this way, but by the grace of God, I would be there too. I, I was addicted to something else. I was addicted to alcohol and drugs, and I couldn't get enough, couldn't get enough, couldn't get enough. And so an addiction happens when those things take place. And the, and the only way that you can get out of those things is lots of times is by renewing your mind by the Word of God and realizing that I have a part to play in my redemption. Yes, his, his salvation cost him everything and cost me nothing. But now if I want to succeed in life, he told me, meditate the Word day and night and you will. Psalm 1, the reason why it's Psalm 1 is because it's the most important psalm of all. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. Blessed is the man that doesn't stand in the way of the sinner or sit in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the word of God. But see, there was a progression in verse 1 too. You know, you, 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 you begin to get scornful. Then the next thing you know, you're sitting in the enemy's camp, just like just like Peter did when he followed Jesus from afar off, warming his hands at the enemy's fire. How did I get here? It was a process. But then he said, he said, but but the man that follows the Lord, his delight is in the Word of God, and in that Word he meditates day and night. How how, how long? And then. He's like a tree planted by the rivers of water, bringing forth a leaf in season. His leaf won't wither, and whatever he does, whatever he does, whatever he does, will prosper. Amen to that. So keep that in mind. And realize that I'm not picking on anybody. Don't you think I'm picking on people? My wife looked like I was, but I'm not. Thank you. No, but sometimes you got to step on people's toes. That's what James started doing for Thursday night. No, no, it was good, Brother James. I'm telling you, it was good. I'm just trying to build on what you taught. I'm not, you know, I just, you know, it's kind of like when you got into Luke 6 and you get to 47 to 48 and he's talking about two houses. Both houses look exactly the same. If you drove down the street, you'd say, wow, there's nice houses. But one of them, it says that was built on the sand. In other words, there was no no real value in their lives, no value system in their lives. And when the storm came, when Fiona hit, down went the house. 
Get down with your bad self. So, but, but then there's another man that built a house, and we're not talking about a physical house here anyway, you know that. It says that he dug deep and laid a foundation on the rock. Yeah. Dug deep into the Word of God and laid a foundation for his life on the rock. And when the storm came, he didn't say if it comes. It's on Brendan and Giselle Briggs right now. It's the, the storm is beaten vehemently against their house. Yeah. He said, when the storm comes, your house will stand because it's founded upon the rock. And I think James brought this out too in Corinthians chapter 10. The rock that followed them was Christ. So you're building your life. If you're going to build your life on the rock, build your life on Christ, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. He's talking about building your life on the word. He's talking about when he said in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart. How about do it this way? Trust the word with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all of your ways acknowledge the word, and the word will direct your steps. Don't be wise in your own eyes. I got it all figured out now. How many of you have never been wise in your own eyes? Help me, Jesus. Help me, Jesus. I did it again. Oh, big time. This is my favorite prayer. Nothing religious about it. Help. I screwed it up again. My, my prayer every, every year is, is not to make mistakes, but not to make the same ones. Because I know that I'm going to make some. Okay. Just thank you for celebrating that with me. <laughs> Let's go to John chapter 6. I would really like to know, Lord, why it is I need these glasses to read my Bible when I'm sitting in my office. And I come out here and I don't need them. No, there's something about the anointing. The anointing of God, I'm telling you. It's kind of like I said to Pastor Paul the other day. I said, Paul, you remind me of uh, Elisha in this. The Bible says that everywhere he went, the prophet's school came out and said, don't you know that your master is going to be taken away from you today? And he would say, yeah, shut up, hold your peace, whatever you want to say it. And, uh, and then he'd go on. But I said, Paul, the difference between you and them is they studied the anointing. You served the anointing. There's a big difference, big, huge difference. You can fill yourself up head knowledge, but until you, until you turn it into a revelation by acting on it, it doesn't profit you. So you owe me five bucks for that one? Okay. <laughs> okay, make it ten. <laughs> Verse 26, verse 25, verse 24. When the people saw that Jesus was not there, neither were his disciples, they got in ships and headed to Capernaum, seeking for, looking for Jesus. And when they had found him on the other side of the sea, they said unto him, Rabbi, we came, how did you get here? Jesus, I like Jesus' answer. He said, truly I say unto you, you seek me not because you saw miracles, but you like the fish and chip dinner. Isn't that what he says there? He said, you didn't follow me because you're interested in miracles or interested in anything I'm doing. 
You're only interested in getting your needs met. That's all you want from me is to get your needs met and then see you later, forget you, right? I know none of you are here like this. Our Sunday services and our Thursday services are the same. We're preaching to believers. You know, and so if you're hearing anything that rubs you the wrong way, uh, congratulations. No, it's good, though. The Word of God's supposed to, you know, Jesus said unto the disciples, he said, you're now clean through the word that I've spoken unto you. And what he was saying to them is, sometimes you come out of the world and you get, you're dirty. You just need a shower. You just need to shower it off. And that, that's why in John 13, when he washed their feet, he said, Peter said, wash me all over. He said, no, no, it's your walk that I'm interested in. You're already clean. It's your walk that you have to maintain on a daily basis. Wash your feet. <laughs> Jesus said, truly I say unto you, you seek me not because you saw the miracles, but because you did eat the loaves and were filled. Labor not for the meat which perishes, but for the meat which endures unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you, for him hath the Father sealed. Then said they unto him, What shall we do? I like this part. What shall we do that we might do the works of God? So simple. Next verse. Believe on him who sent me. What should I do to be a Christian? What should I do? Believe. <laughs> it doesn't say pass out tracts. It doesn't say witness to everybody in the neighborhood and annoy a bunch of people. Although that's good if you're called to do that. But it doesn't say that. It says simply believe. Because when you believe, you trust in him, he'll lead you to the places where you need to be. Yeah. Hallelujah. How about verse 35? Because he's telling them they, they came for the fish and chips, but what they really needed was the bread of life. And Jesus said unto them, I'm the bread of life. That's why, again, so many people will come to church and get their needs met. Uh, we've experienced it over the years. I remember one guy, his business was failing. He was losing 70 or 80 grand a month. I mean, you know, that's a serious loss. And he was in church every service. Whew. Then, after he got his needs met, he was gone. And he came to me one day and he said, what happened to me? I said, simple, you untied your boat from the wharf. I said, every wave took you out further and further. And finally, you sat up in the boat and said, where am I? Because you unhooked, you became, <laughs> when, you, when you weren't, see, there's no such thing as a void, a vacuum. Either God's in there or the devil's in there. Right. Either the word's in there or the world's in there. <laughs> And so fill yourself up with the word and you'll drive the world out of your boat. Yeah. Jesus said in verse 35, he said, I am the bread of life. He that comes to me shall never hunger and he that believes on me shall never thirst. Sounds like what he said to the woman at the well in John chapter 4, doesn't it? Think about it. He walked 22 kilometers to get to a woman to give her a drink of real water and how far he would go for you to get some to you. Never hunger, and he that believes in me shall never thirst. But I say unto you that you have seen me. You have seen me, but you haven't believed. All that the Father gave me shall come unto me, and him that comes to me I will no way cast out. For I am come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. 
And this is the Father's will, which has sent me, that of all which you gave me, I should lose nothing, that you should raise them up again on the last day. Mm-hmm. And this is the will of him that sent me. Everyone that sees the Son and believes on him may have, may have everlasting life, and I'll raise him up on the last day. So, but then as you read a little further, I think we'll, we won't read the whole, this chapter is powerful though, because in John 666, where you get the mark of the beast, 666, there's a real key in there to what happens to people. Well, let's read, begin in verse 60. Now you're already reading ahead in 66, aren't you? <laughs> but look in verse 60. See, when he began to call for covenant, when he began to say, I, I, you know, come and serve me in the kingdom of God. When he started calling for servants, when he started calling for covenant people, people that would walk in covenant with him, people that would work with him, this is what happens. Many therefore disciples, when they heard this, they said, this is a hard saying, who can hear it? When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples murmured, (laughs) he said unto them, does this offend you? And the answer is, yes. Pride always gets offended. Does this offend you? What then if if you shall see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before? It's the Spirit. Here it is, verse 63. It is the Spirit that quickeneth. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. But there are some among you that, that don't believe, for Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not, and even knew Judas who would betray him. Verse 65, and he said, Therefore I say unto you that no man can come unto me except the Father draws him. Verse 66, here's the key. When he called for covenant, when he called for commitment, from at that time many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. You mean you expect me to be responsible? You want me to be responsible for myself? No, no, it's like we it's like we we talked we when we talked to Bucky on Thursday night about his birthday. It's like you can give him a card and he'll be really, you know, it shows that you respect him. But when you put money in, it shows that you honor him. Honor him with your substance with the first fruits of all of your increase. Why don't I have any money, Lord? Honor him with your increase. The first fruits. What's that? A dime on a dollar, like James said. Give God a dime and he'll he'll take that 90 cents and make it go twice as far as you ever would. See? So (laughs) from that time, many went back and walked no more with him. Tragic. Tragic, tragic. Praise the Lord. I guess I'm going to have to do something I wasn't planning on doing. I know what I need to do, first of all. Where's that fan? Pastor has a fan. That's another advantage of being a pastor. People have to laugh at, laugh at your dumb stuff, right? And we go, ha, <laughs> Uh, 
<laughs> Where am I going to go now? I don't know. Hallelujah, but I'm not in a panic. I got all day. <laughs> Hallelujah, praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. See, in order to start something else, I'm going to have to... Well, let's just do that. Yeah. Because I... Well, let's go to Colossians chapter 2, because this has to do with what Rob was teaching. And we might as well touch on that too. Because beginning in... Ul number one to Tishri 10. You got that? Ul one to Tishri 10. It's called 40 Days of Teshuva. 40 Days of Repenting Before Yom Kippur comes on the 10th day of, the, of, of Tishri, right? So you get, and then, then after you repent, the whole year ahead of you is covered because of, because of the redemption. But what I want you to see is in Colossians chapter 2. Hmm. Well, let's begin in verse uh, 9. How about verse 7? Being rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, as I have been taught, as you have been taught, abounding with, abounding with, like Pastor Paul taught the other week, Thanksgiving. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Not for everything, give thanks, but in everything, give thanks. So in verse, um, you're rooted and grounded in establishing faith, as you've been taught, abounding with thanksgiving. Abounding gives you the picture of somebody running towards somebody else. I'm just so, I'm just so thankful. I'm so thankful, God. I'm thankful. What are you thankful for today? I'm thankful that... I've got two legs at work, two arms at work, two eyes that see. Nothing else. Hey, nothing else matters. Taught, abounding with thanksgiving, beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the traditions of men and after the rudiments of the world and not after Christ. Verse 9, for in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, how about the next verse? Who's you? Who's, who's you? And what does it say about you? What does it say about you? And then what are you saying about you? <laughs> you thanking him? Abandoning with thanksgiving that you're complete in him, who's the head of all principality and power? in whom you've been circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, the putting off of the bloody or the flesh, the sins of the flesh by circumcision of Christ, buried with him, there's my death certificate, buried with him in baptism, wherein you're risen with him through the faith and the operation of God. So my new location is actually Ephesians 2, verse 6. I'm seated in heavenly places with Christ. So if you want my new address, that's, that's how you can get mailed to me. Yeah, the old address won't work anymore. 
excuse me, buried with him in baptism, wherein you're also risen with him through faith in the operation of God, who has raised him from the dead. And you being dead to your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has quickened you together with him, having forgiven some of your trespasses. Does that really say all? What are you looking so sad for? No, but I mean, how would you act if you knew that all your sins were forever forgiven? That's it, huh? <laughs> Yahoo! Billy Brim. <laughs> Verse 14, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances. Everything that was written against you has been obliterated, blotted out. So you can stand on trial and say, not guilty. And if they try to convict you, say, look, it's double jeopardy. Somebody else already paid for this whole deal. Somebody else paid for my sin. Somebody else paid for my iniquities. Somebody else paid, and you can't put me on trial. That's double jeopardy. Hallelujah. So, yeah, but think about it. But that means you can't put yourself on trial either. No, because when you put yourself on trial, you're saying, go, what you did for me wasn't enough. Blotting out the, hand, the ordinances that were written against us contrary to us and took it under the way. But where did he put it? He nailed it through the cross. I was crucified with Christ and I no longer live. Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who gave his life for me. And if righteousness came by keeping the law, then Christ died for nothing. So you can't make yourself right. I said, you can't make yourself right. I had this discussion with a pastor the other day. So I said, you can't make yourself right. You'd be self-righteous. Nobody could live with you. No, but it's true. People that are self-righteous, oh, gee, it's disgusting. Now look at verse, 25, verse 15, rather. Having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a public display of them, triumphing over them in it. So then he says, let no man judge you in meat or drink or in respect of a holy day. It's like why I never watched Chariots of Fire. I'm not saying it was a bad movie or it was a bad guy. I'm just saying I, I read these verses. And he honored the day and God honored him, but I don't have to honor any day. If I can't wash my car on Tuesday, I can't wash it on Sunday. But if I can't wash it on Tuesday, now somebody's upset already. Come on, read it. <laughs> Let no man judge you in respect to holy days or the new moon or the Sabbath days. Why? Because they're a shadow of the things to come. Which is, but the body is of Christ. It's like we've got in, in my office, I've got a, a Seder meal kit ready so that in the spring we're going to do the Seder at Passover. But we're not doing it because we better do it every year. No, we're doing it once as an educational tool. That's all. Because again, it's a shadow of what came. It's, it's kind of like when you read, um, when you read about um, 
Rosh Hashanah and all of that and Yule, you find out that what it, what it means is at that particular time, it meant that the master was in the field. In other words, the king of the country was down in the field working with the harvesters, and you could walk up and talk to him like, like a normal human being. You couldn't do that any other time of the year, but you could walk up to him. And the, matter of fact, the, the message is called the master in the field. And, um, and, and uh, are the CDs around here somewhere? Whatever, okay. But now, but now see, now I've got Luke 4.18. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. He's anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. You don't have to be anymore. To heal the brokenhearted, deliverance to the captives, recovering a sight to the blind, to, set, to, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. The acceptable year of the Lord is the year of Jubilee. That means that you can, you, that means that, like it says in Hebrew 4.16, you can come boldly unto the throne room of grace to obtain mercy, to find grace in that time of need. You're free. Amen. You're free. You, you, you get to go into the Holy Holies. The high priest got to go in twice, once a year on Yom Kippur. Twice, once for himself, once for the nation. You can go there this morning. You can go there on behalf of the Ukraine. You can go there on behalf of the pastor in case he offended you in any way, shape, or form. Those things that you can do. <laughs> we hope this message has encouraged you in your relationship with the Lord. For more information and ministry resources, we invite you to visit our website at www.newcovenantchurch.ca. We look forward to you joining us next time as we continue to live victoriously.